Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Just raise your hands to heaven. I felt like we were caught up in the revelation picture of the end times church. I felt like this morning we joined with the angels in the heavenly realms. I felt like we were casting down crowns and we were standing before Him with the choirs of heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when the end end times church knows how to worship, she turns outward. And do you know what she says? The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Come all those who are thirsty. Come all those who have spent their lives buying things that have left them hungry and dry. She says, come. Come and join us. Come and be filled. Drink of the water of life that is free for you because it was purchased by someone else. Come. And that will be your posture. You turn towards heaven like you did this morning. You cast down your crowns and you join with heavenly choirs. And then you turn outward and say to the world, come. Come and join us. Come and be filled and refreshed. This will be a house of refreshing. A house, a house of refreshing where people will come and they'll say, that's where we've got to go. That's where there's peace. That's where there's life. That's where miraculous things take place. People will bring family, friends, colleagues. They'll say, come. And they'll find themselves in this sweet presence. And where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. Lord, we receive it. We receive it. We want to be those people. We want to be your people. We want to be your church. Would you join me, church, and call in the lost this morning? Call in the lost this morning. Call in the brokenhearted. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, the opening of prison doors, the opening of eyes and ears, liberty to the captives, Lord. We call them in today and we say, use me. Use me however you see fit. Lord, as I carry your presence into this generation, use me, Lord. I lay myself aside, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do at City Point West. More services. More services. People lining up at the door. Not to see a preacher, but to hear the Word of the Lord. Not to celebrate a person, but to stand in the presence of the King and heap worship worship onto Him. Thank you for what you're going to do significant fresh season today. I pray blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Why don't we give Him some praise? We honour You this morning, Jesus. We honour You, Spirit of God. We really do praise You today. We really do praise You today. Amen. Awesome. Well, why don't you grab a seat? It's such a privilege always to be with my City Point West family such a privilege and I love your hungry hearts and your surrendered hearts and your genuineness and your authenticity. I love Tim and Wendy with my whole heart. Tim is the older brother I never had. I know many of you will resonate with that. He's so annoying. 
makes you laugh, makes you cry, but will drop everything to be there for you. We give Tim a round of applause. We love you, Tim. Thanks for being the annoying big brother who loves bigger than anyone. Amen. Can you say doors of breakthrough? Rooms of blessing. That's the title of my message this morning. Doors of breakthrough. Say it with me. Doors of breakthrough. Rooms of blessing. At the end of the service, we're going to open the altar. And I'm going to pray for people who find themselves in a place of disappointment, who find themselves in a place of hopelessness. You've lost your hope. Good people. Bad things happen to good people. And, um, and I ask myself the question, you know, we live in a prosperity gospel generation and there is so much truth in the prosperity gospel. The Lord wants you to be blessed. He really does. You know why? Because that's a good witness to the world around you. When His people walk in blessing. It's not so that you can have a red Ferrari. It's so that your life screams to the world of the goodness of God. It's a good witness because he's a good father and a good father gives good gifts to his children. But I feel like in one generation we've forgotten how to suffer. We've forgotten actually that we do live in a fallen world. And that bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. And the issue is not, Lord, why has this happened, but how do I deal with this? If you haven't been through a hard time, you probably haven't been around long enough or you're a liar. Because we live in a fallen world and bad things happen all the time. It doesn't mean that the Lord is not sovereign. It doesn't mean that he's not good. It doesn't mean he's scratching his head surprised at your circumstance, thinking, oh no, I don't know what to do about that. I didn't see that coming. Come on, let's take a minute and actually think about this. Um, Tim mentioned that, actually we can pop that photo, family photo up on the screen. Uh, we, my family and I, have we got the photo? No, that's all good. So I have four children from 17 to 9 and uh, two girls, two boys. And about a year and a half ago, well, close to three years ago, our precious Sam was diagnosed with a type of cancer. And over a year ago now, he went home to be with the Lord. And uh, you know what? Bad things happen to good people. And in that moment, every part of my doctrine and theology was tested. And I had to answer this question, or I guess I had to draw a line and say, I either believe in a God of destiny or I don't. I either believe in a sovereign God or I don't. And when bad things are happening, to admit that you still believe in a God of destiny is very confronting. When bad things are happening, to admit that you believe in a God of sovereignty is a very confronting thing. But I heard this amazing statement this week. When you can't trace his hand, you can still trace his heart. 
And when you know the goodness of God, a season won't break you. When you have history with the Lord, history with the goodness and kindness and provision and faithfulness of the Lord, one bad season doesn't discredit who he is. I love you, Lord, too much to give up on you right now. This is a season. You're outside of time. You see the beginning from the end. You're already in my future. And so I just trust you. And I actually realize that trust is greater than faith. I don't know if that's scriptural or doctrinally correct, but it is my experience. You actually can't have faith without trust. And how do you trust? You trust when you know him. You know his character. But you know what? Sometimes you need to also, if you don't know him well, lean on the faith of other people and the experience of other people. Well, they say he's good and they've walked through stuff. And so I'm actually just going to lean on that. He is a good God. And that has nothing to do with my message. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. It has a little bit to do with my message, but it was definitely a tangent. This is a story of the Shunammite couple. Can you say Shunam? I love that sometimes and quite often the Lord doesn't use names. (laughs) He's the only name. But he just uses the story of everyday people all the way through Scripture. And, um, And this is the story of the Shunammite couple. And they're an amazing couple. They live in the town of Shunam. And, uh, and the prophet comes through town every now and again to deliver the word of the Lord. And this amazing couple host him and they encourage him to stay with them when he's in town. And so he does. He bunks down with them whenever he's in Shunem. And then they decide we should actually build him a room. Let's build him a room. Can you say doors of breakthrough, rooms of blessing? Let's build him a room. Let's build him a room so that when he's here, he has his own place to stay. And I love this couple. So the next time Elisha, the prophet, is around, he stays at their home in the room that they've built for him, an extension on their home. So 2 Kings 4, we can read it together. And Elisha said to his servant Gehazi, tell the Shunammite woman that I want to see her. And so he called her and she came in. And through Gehazi, Elisha said, You've gone far beyond the call of duty in taking care of us. What can we do for you? Do you have a request that we can bring to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, Nothing. I'm secure and satisfied in my family. Elisha then conferred with his servant, There's got to be something we can do for her, but what? And Gehazi said, Well, she has no son and her husband is an old man. Call her in, Elisha said, and he called her and she stood at the open door. Can you say open door? Can you say doors of breakthrough? Rooms of blessing. She stood at the open door and Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to be nursing an infant son. Oh, my master, don't play games with me. You ever had a prayer like that? A prayer you didn't even want to put words to. When faith, love, hope comes around, you don't even dare write it. 
on the card. It's so painful that you can't even give it oxygen. Don't tease me, man of God. Don't tease me with these fantasies. But, verse 17, the woman conceived, and a year later, as Elisha said, she had a son. Awesome story, right? Amazing. We love those stories, and we love it when that's the end of the story, and they lived happily ever after. And Disney made a movie out of it, probably totally perverted it in 2023, but we'll leave that over there. Except this isn't the end of the story, because the boy grows up, and he's out in the field with his father one day, and he starts complaining of a headache. And his father sends him into the house and he sits in his mother's lap until noon and dies. What do you do when everything goes wrong? What do you do when the blessing of the Lord goes wrong? What do you do when you've done everything in your life to host his presence, to bless him? He's blessed you and then it all dies. But her response in verse 21 is absolutely breathtaking. She takes the boy's body and places him upstairs, not on his own bed, on Elisha's bed. Shuts the door and doesn't tell anyone what's happened. She gets everyone busy preparing for her to take a long journey. And so she hasn't told anyone the Boy's body is on the bed of the prophet with the door closed and she just insists that everyone gets ready for her trip. Her husband's like, where are you going? Why are you going to Elisha? It's not a holy day. Why are you going to him? And just like every good wife, she's like, stop asking questions and just trust me. And all the women said, amen. Amen. She rushes out on the donkey And Elisha sees her at a distance and he says to Gehazi, isn't that the Shunammite woman? The woman I have high regard for. Quickly go out to her and ask her, how are you? How's your husband? How's your son? So Gehazi goes running out and he asks her those questions and she tells Gehazi, everything's fine. She tells him everything's fine. And she reaches Elisha and falls at his feet. Verse 28, she spoke up. Did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you not to tease me with false hopes? It's amazing. He drops everything. He's like, well, something's up. I still don't know what it is, but something's up. He drops everything and makes a beeline for her house. And he travels and he gets there and he he walks into the house. He goes into the boy's bedroom, verse 32. 32, Elisha entered the house and found the boy stretched out on the bed dead. He went into the room, locked the door, just the two of them in the room and prayed to God. And he did not have Jill Lloyd telling him what accountability he needs to use when he's in a room with an underage child. Pastor Mark often says it's the reason that Jesus came 2,000 years ago because you could spit in the mud and rub it in someone's eyes and no one's suing you. (laughs) Then he got into the bed with the boy, covered him with his body, mouth on mouth, eyes on eyes, hands on hands. The boy grows warm, sneezes, wakes up, comes to life. 
Elisha calls the woman back in and, uh, and encourages to, her, her to embrace her son and she carries him out again. Can you say doors of breakthrough, rooms of blessing? Lord, I pray you'd speak this morning. I pray you'd release hope this morning. I pray you'd lift our eyes from the conditions of the earth to the realities of heaven. Amen. Amen. They're amazing, this couple. When I read this story again, I cried and cried. Sometimes when I'm studying the scripture, I literally have to get down off my desk chair or my dining chair and sit on the ground and be as low as I can as I sit under the weight of the revelation that I can feel coming. And I felt that and I wept, Lord, there are people who love you and bad things happen. That's heavy, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. And so today I've got a few keys. I've got a few keys that will help us make room for breakthrough. And keys that will show us how to remain in the flow even when bad things are happening. When things are going catastrophically wrong, how to stay in the breakthrough. How to stay in the breakthrough. I love this idea that we can host God. We did that this morning. Wendy led us this morning in hosting the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We can host him. This couple wanted to host the presence of God. This concept that we can host him and that he waits for an invitation. My first point is this. We need to always remember that the Lord waits for an invitation. There are a few times in Scripture we see Jesus going, hey, you up in that tree, get down, I'm going to your house tonight. But they are far fewer than his responses right through the old and new where he responds to somebody's invitation. He often responds to an invitation. And I've decided in my life experience that the Lord works predominantly in response to my invitation. My sweet friend, you have right now as much of God as you have made room for. That is both confronting and an amazing opportunity. He responds to our invitation. Reminds me of when I was 19, 18 years old, coming back to the Lord. And I'd made a royal mess of my life. I'd walked away from Him And I was now paying the consequences of my decision. And I call it a big black pit. I felt like I was sitting in the bottom of a pit that I dug for myself. And it was so dark in there, I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. And I remember crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, I actually deserve every bit of this. And so even if you never fix any of it, I would understand. I'm just asking that you would come and sit in here with me. That's all I want because I now know that life without you is a complete loss and genuinely, Lord, I would understand. I just want you to be near. That's the kind of invitation the Lord loves. The psalmist tells us a broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. A genuine invitation. Lord, I don't need your hand. I just need your face. I just need you with me. I am okay with everything else as long as you're close. 
And did he come into that pit with me? Absolutely. Did he leave me there? No. Absolutely not. Invitation. Invitation. And so we see this couple, they, they start with an invitation and then as it goes in our walk with the Lord, it morphs into something much bigger than just, hey, stay in our spare room. Hey, just let me add you to my existing world. And it morphed into something much greater. My second point is in this journey with Christ that a posture of the heart that desperately loves the presence will always move beyond the call of duty. It will always move beyond the call of duty. Elisha says to her, you've gone far beyond the call of duty. I love this. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and in chapter 12, verse 1, he describes bare minimum. This is awesome. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you will present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, your what? Right. Another translation says, devote everything we are and everything we do to the Lord. Everything. And that's reasonable. That's not exceptional. That's not even worth a pat on the back. That's your reasonable service to the Lord. Just everything. Just all you are and everything you do. That's reasonable. And so if that's reasonable, I know some of you are really nervous. What's beyond the call? If that's reasonable, what's beyond the call? And the beautiful thing that you can only experience when your heart is completely laid bare to the Lord is you realize it's not about doing more stuff. Well, going beyond the call means I need to do more, be more. No, it's not. He doesn't want you to do more. He just wants you. He just wants all of you. And so it's always about a posture of the heart. When the posture of our heart is completely surrendered to Him, we live in the second mile. We live beyond the call. And it's the greatest joy. Actually, anything less, David said, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Not because I'm flogging my own back, but because that's just, how could I not? How could I not? It's a response to the healthy posture that our hearts are in. And so what I love about this is that he finds the area of lack in her life and he speaks into that. He says, you've gone beyond the call. And then in verse 13, what can we do for you? This is the heart of the Lord. I want to tell you, you can't outgive God. It's a big deal remodeling a house. It's expensive. It's annoying. Tradies are always late. Then it rains and everything. And so it's a big deal, but you can't outgive God. So he says, you've done this. What can I do for you? And her response is remarkable. She says, nothing. I have what I want. You're here. I don't want anything else. Part of it is a humility of heart, but part of it is also pain. Pain. Lord, I have enough. It's all good. And he finds the one area of lack 
and he speaks into that. Do you know what? I think it's quite interesting that often we pray as though the Lord needs more information. Is that true? Lord, let me just inform you about my situation. He can find the areas in your heart. He knows you. He knows you. And so he finds that area and he speaks into it. And what I love about this so much, and when you hear me preach, this will often come up in every single message, is that this is generational. And he speaks into the next generation and he makes a way for someone else, for her son, not her, for the next generation. And if you're asking God for yourself, he is so bored with that conversation. He is bored with that conversation. Our God is a generational God. The wise man stores up for his children's children. The fool lives for Saturday. The wise man lives for a hundred years. And so he makes a way for the next generation. And that was all just my introduction and the band are coming up. So just three quick doorway encounters. Can you say doors of breakthrough, rooms of blessing? He calls her into the doorway and he asks her, what can we do for you? She finds herself in the first of three profound doorway encounters. And so she's standing there at the doorway. I want you to think about this doorway. This is the doorway that she cut through. This is a doorway that she created. This was once the limitation of her life. This was once where she ran out. This was once the boundary line of who she was and she broke through it. She did that. She came up to the edge of herself and said, I'm busting through this. The story of my life from that time where He came into my pit has always been, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I have never been shown this. I come from poverty and dysfunction, but I'm gonna break through my own boundary line. I'm gonna build a door. I'm not waiting for you to bring the breakthrough. You've already brought the breakthrough. I'm not a beggar. God, please know I'm standing at the edge of myself knowing there's more for me and I'm breaking through my own limitations. She's standing in the doorway she built, hearing a promise from the Lord. Have you carved doors through your own limitation? She stood at the threshold of the door she built and she heard a promise a son, that painful area in your life. He calls us back to that place. It's so powerful and her request was too much for even her to give breath to. But he saw it. He saw it. And he said this time next year, a son, an heir, a legacy. It was too much for her heart to bear, but the Lord is a God of His Word and it happened and we know the story doesn't end there. And so what happens when the blessing dies? What happens when your light is snuffed out? 
What happens when the things go terribly wrong? When you've given your best and you've spent time in His presence, when He's blessed you, when He's whispered destiny to you and suddenly in a moment it's gone. It wasn't a son only who died, it was her future. How do you deal with disappointment? And I wept when I read this because things do happen. She was a profound woman, not given to circumstance or wild emotions, but governed by an understanding of spiritual laws. She took him up, verse 21, laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and left. And this is what brought me to tears. This here was the revelation that was coming. My fourth point is this. When you've built doors of breakthrough and rooms of blessing, you have somewhere to go. I don't pity people who are going through hard things. I don't have a mercy gift anyway, so. Life is life and life is tough. I don't pity people who go through bad things because we all do. I pity the people who don't have rooms to go to. When my blessing died, I had somewhere to go. I had somewhere to go because I'd spent my life building rooms. I had somewhere to, to take it, to lay it down. And that was where the presence of the Lord lives. That was the only place I knew to go. If you follow me, I'm going to follow you to Jesus. I'm going to lead you to Jesus because it's the only place I know to go. When nothing makes sense, He makes sense. When everything's chaos, His presence is clarity and peace and strength and grace. And so her second doorway encounter, she comes back to the door she built, back to the room she built. But this time, first time she was childless. Second time, she's childless again, carrying a dead dream. You feel the tenacity in her? Can you feel it? Hell no. Mm. I'm not putting him in his own bed. I'm not calling the funeral director. I'm not hiring a whaling committee because I didn't ask for this. Lord, you gave this to me. And if this is happening, I'm making it your problem again. I'm not taking control of this because I was never in control of this. And if this has happened, you can fix it. You started this, you're going to finish this. Can you feel it in her? Just the fact that she put the boy in the prophet's bed screams to me, this is not the way it's going to end. She closes the door. She doesn't tell anybody. She doesn't tell anybody, which is my fifth point. But I want to read this to you. Verse 25, The holy man, spotting her while she was away off, said to his servant Gehazi, Look out there, it's the Shunammite woman. Quickly now, ask her, is something wrong? Are you all right? How's your husband? How's your child? She says to Gehazi, Everything is fine. It's not fine. Her son's dead. She says, everything's fine. 
But when she reached the holy man at the mountain, she threw herself at his feet and held tightly to him. Holding tightly to the Lord. She threw herself at his feet and held tightly to him. And she spoke up, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you, don't tease me with false hopes? Elisha entered the house and we know the story. Verse 36, he said to Gehazi, get the Shunammite woman in here. He called her in, she came in, embraced her son. Look at what she does. She doesn't embrace her son. What's the first thing she does? Fell at his feet in worship. Come on, come on church. What's your first response in pain? Hold tightly to the Lord. What's your first response when your gift is given back? Hold tightly to the Lord. Him first. Him first always. And then she embraced her son. Number five, hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. She was militantly tight-lipped. Do you know in this whole story, We never hear her confess the reality. Never. We never hear her diagnose the situation. We only hear her speak faith. She wasn't operating here in the conditions of the earth. She was speaking from here. And I can guarantee you because I know it takes everything in you to move from here to here and live from here. It takes everything. Hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. The Lord made you in His image. He gave you dominion. And He created the whole world with a word and made you in His image and gave you His dominion, which means your words create worlds. Be very careful what you give power to with the words that you speak. What are you going to define? Are you going to define the conditions of the earth or the conditions of heaven? Be careful what you give the power of words to and learn to hold your tongue. Just as important as knowing when to speak is knowing what to speak when it's time to speak. And she spoke up and she said, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you? What was she doing? She was making it God's problem. She's like, I'm not, this is not my responsibility, Lord. This is all you. (laughs) This is all you. She's speaking in faith and not taking ownership for the condition that she was in. No way. I'm not defining this. Lord, this is all you. This is all you. She stood number six on the Word of God. Have you ever cried out like that? I didn't ask for this, Lord. What on earth is going on? She never, ever, ever said, my son's dead. She stood on the Word of God where it all originated. It's powerful. We need to put the power back in God's hands. We need to quote back to Him His promises. We need to remind, not that He needs reminding, but the spirit realm definitely does. The spirit realm definitely does. Number six, number seven, why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? She finds herself in the third doorway encounter. Number seven, 
And you close your eyes and let me sing this over you. The Lord honours His Word. The Lord honours His Word. It is not a question of if. He is not a man that he should lie. His Word stands and remains. When everything else is shaken, His Word is not shaken. You must know that it is His will to back His own Word. With your eyes closed, let's not be a sleepy church right now. If you want to get on your knees, if you want to raise your hands, whatever it is, Lord, it is your word. And she finds herself in the third doorway encounter, receiving the revived promise. And today I want to stir our hearts. I want to stir our hearts to fashion doors of breakthrough and rooms of blessing. In making room for God, we preempt kingdom outcomes when the enemy wants to rob from us. We trump him in advance. We make room for our future situations for the Lord to move. When things go wrong, and they sometimes do, it's yesterday's giving that anchors us in those moments. We don't blame God in those times. We claim God in those times. And we can, and He is a good God, and He is faithful, He is good. Someone here just needs to hear those words. He is good. He can't not be good. He is good. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.